Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper is Shane Mansfield, Marketing Director at Just Eat for Business. He's an all-round experienced marketer having worked in both B2B and B2C environments, client-side and agency. Just Eat for Business offers a huge variety of great tasting and quality food all through a single account, all of which I'm sure we will get into. Shane Mansfield, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. First off then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great question. Um, uh, Don Draper, as a character for all of his, uh, his faults, has, has a lot that's uh, incredibly applicable to um, the, the marketing industry. Um, and I think for me, rather than that focus too much about the character, I think it's more about the concept of Don Draper. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is about uh, humanization. So really thinking about merging uh, creative approaches with um, human connectivity um and i think it's that concept of taking an idea and and making it relatable to uh, to the audience you really want to connect with and a lot of that a lot of that comes from being authentic and being human absolutely well let's talk about how that factors into just eat for business first off what's the value proposition for you guys yeah so we set about coming up with uh you know a very short elevator pitch that we we actually talk about at, on all of our all hands whenever we're getting together as an entire company uh, to make sure that everyone in the business it can easily articulate what we do um, and in, in essence it is we make it easy for teams and employees to order great food for any occasion whether that's at home or in the office and that is the essence of, of, of what we do when we set out trying to create that kind of very short sentence that allowed anyone to articulate it you know, I use the uh, man in the pub analogy. That's one that I always use, use goes back to. That if you're explaining what you do to a friend in the pub or over a drink, you don't go into the details. You don't explain what B2B is. You just tell them in the simplest, shortest way that gets the point across. And then they also understand it that way. And so that's what we tried to do with our value proposition and our elevator pitches. Really um, crystallize it down to the most important parts. And that is making it easy for everyone to order great food for when they need it. At this point, obviously, everyone in the UK has heard of Just Eat, uh, but what is the awareness level of what you do with businesses? Yeah, great, great question. As, as I said, one of the, I think one of the challenges we have as the uh, the B two B arm, the business unit, is uh, making people aware that Just Eat itself has a business proposition, um, and Just Eat as a as a as a brand is synonymous across across the UK for its for its B2C offering for its consumer mm-hmm. offering and so we we get we have the ability to take advantage of that um, broad awareness of, of everyone knowing who Just Eat is but our challenge or the challenge that I find uh, myself facing is is how do I succinctly tie uh, the business offering directly to um, to Just Eat because 
You know, as soon as someone sees the Just Eat brand, the Just Eat logo, um, they instantly are transported to the consumer offering. Um, and so we've tried to to make sure we're able to get across that that business concept to the decision makers, to the people we want to speak to about our product, um, but still tying it together with the same DNA as the, uh, the, the main consumer brand. That's a hard balance to get, I imagine. But so how, how do you differentiate it from Just Eat itself? Uh, yeah. Uh, so what we what we try and do or what we've, what we've tried to do so far is we obviously still use a lot of the same um, assets, a lot of the same collateral, um, but we've we've changed it slightly so that we're able to create that separation between the two sub brands, as it were. So Just Eat is very orange. We use orange as a highlight color. So we've, we've inverted the color palette. So we use we have the same family of colors, but we use them in a very different way. And it allows us to have a very subtle difference um, in terms of when you when you see business versus when you see uh, Just Eat, the, the consumer brand. So we started by looking at uh, color palettes in that way as well. And then it's also the the context and the positioning of the the message we're trying to promote. Um, so we are not a broad awareness brand. We don't need to be everywhere in the same way that Just Eat has, you know, a huge TV campaigns, digital campaigns. We can be much more selective because we we know where our our business audience is is more likely to uh, to be able to see our advertising. So we will try to be much more selective on on where we promote the brand um, and also from a creative point of view we still want to encapsulate um, the joy that I think the consumer brand tries to get across um, but we are trying to encapsulate that joy within a work setting and position it about people engaging with each other again um, we're coming to a point where I think it's it two years effectively we, we all had to spend apart um, you know, we're now finally getting to a position where we can start spending time together again. Um, so we want to we want to showcase that in our creative. And, and let's go right back to the beginning. Just Eat for Business was formerly City Pantry. Can you talk us through uh, the change, the process of rebranding? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we go back about two and a half years. Um, we the business was City Pantry, and it was uh, effectively at that point. Um, a, a you know high growth startup uh, based in London, very different branding to what we had what we have now. Um, so uh, yellow instead of orange, uh, with uh, an almost uh, like a brand mascot in a full uh, like an, an animated falcon spoon, as it were. Okay. And it, and it came across as a very startup orientated brand, and that, and that was where we had a lot of our initial first customers. Um, and I think as we as we started to develop and realize that scale really lies in, uh, in, in with our larger customers and enterprise businesses, we needed to make sure that we were a, a credible brand that, that those enterprises could understand and, and speak to. And then we, we, we got acquired by Just Eat and that enabled us to have that conversation and actually talk about where the brand, where the, where the brand's future actually lied. Um, and it became very apparent very quickly that although you know there was a lot of um, good feeling and warmth towards City Pantry as a brand, um, actually it's the, the scaling of that brand um, didn't make any sense when you compared it with the, the the scale of Just Eat. And that actually, do you take on the challenge of scaling an unknown brand to being a national 
um, even international entity, or do you take on the challenge of um, letting people know that Just Eat has a B2B offering? And that was really the essence of, of, of kind of the, the decision by changing that brand. And how hard or easy was it to sell that rebranding to all your different stakeholders? Uh, relatively, um, relatively easy, actually. So we started off by making sure that what we were before just doing it, before diving into a rebrand, uh, we wanted to make sure that um, it was actually the right thing to do. So we did a lot of research. We did uh, a lot of brand awareness surveys just to ascertain what the levels of, uh, of brand sentiment were for City Pantry compared uh, to Just Eat and then also compared to some competitors in the space as well, like uh, Deliveroo and Uber, um, so that we could actually get a view of, of where City Pantry actually stood in terms of, of brand equity. And once we'd actually got those numbers, uh, it, was then, it was then a very easy case to, to go to stakeholders and say, this is, this is what it actually looks like. Um, and, and realistically, if we want to scale this, this, uh, this business, this brand, that this is how we should do it. And it was, it was very easy with those numbers and that research to actually articulate that although City Pantry was, uh, was, was, you know, a very cherished brand for those that had worked on it as a startup, actually beyond that, the, the brand penetration was, was fairly limited. So, you know, moving to Just Eat made total sense. And and from that experience, what were the main takeaways, uh, especially from a creativity point of view? I think the the one of one of the things that we we decided on early on, or, or we we talked about quite a lot, was was tone of voice and and how we actually discuss things as a business. What, what how how we talk externally and how we should talk externally. And from a city pantry perspective, we were a challenger brand. We were a startup. And we talked to our customers like they were startups as well. Um, and that's absolutely fine if, if all you're talking to is startup businesses. That's, you know, they're, they're, they're quite likely to engage with that. However, what we found is that our larger and enterprise businesses um, weren't necessarily as keen on that tone of voice or as keen on that approach because, you know, when you get to be, when you are a larger business, um, I think you naturally have a lot more process. Um, a lot more risk assessment that goes into things, compliance, infosec, all of these different bits and pieces. And it, it tends to generate um, risk aversion um, in businesses and makes decisions. You have to be very sure of it. And we found that actually if we swapped our tone of voice around and talked to everyone as if they were enterprise businesses, as if they were very large established businesses, not only did uh, those larger businesses effectively take us more seriously as a business, the smaller startups still enjoyed it and were still happy to be spoken to as if they were those enterprise and large established um, players in the market. So we, we realized that we had to, we had to change our, our tone of voice and our approach to the market generally. Um, and then the other side of it was, you know, we, we have to, we had to make sure that we were also then um, using the same, DNA as our as our consumer brand as as Just Eat itself, because we were effectively part of the same business. We we carry the same name, so it's incredibly important that we didn't. Although we could have our own voice and our own way of um, creating and saying things, we still had to make sure we were we were encompassing the same um, platform or, or a communications platform 
um, that we're, where we're trying to effectively encapsulate the joy of food. Um, and so they were the main things that we had to take on board when we were going through that. So related to that then, which parts of Just Eat do you carry across for a B2B audience? So from a, a B2B perspective uh, and from our, from, our, from our core consumer brand from Just Eat, we, we try and bring across the, uh, the joy of food, the joy of uh, coming together, the joy of people you know, sh- sharing a meal and, and ultimately engaging, engaging with each other. And um, our uh, VP of brand, uh, Susan O'Brien, recently uh, spoke about this with the, the launch of um, our new, new brand campaign from a consumer side featuring uh, Katy Perry. Um, so we've, we've now got her on board as a brand ambassador. Um, the TV ad, I believe, launches um, very shortly in the UK, um, but is available widely online now as well. And Katy Perry's, uh, she's taking over from uh, the the widely or very well known Snoop Dogg ad that uh, that came out last year. Um, so we're continuing that uh, that 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 move in um, in using musicians and using popular popular artists to kind of get across the brand, the consumer brand uh, identity at least. And it's very much about that joy of food. Um, and so we want to pull that feeling across to the business audience as well. We want to make sure that everyone understands that that food is the hero and that food elicits joy, whether you're at home or at work. I can't wait to see the new ad. Uh, What other ways are you taking the product to market and what channels are you using? What's working at the moment? Uh, So what works particularly effectively for us is, um, so we're, we're very digital first from a, from a B2B perspective. So we will try and make sure we are, um, as, as much as possible using digital channels. Um, and that extends from, you know, the places like YouTube, Spotify, um, Google, all of those, the usual sort of platforms that you may find on uh, most performance marketers plans. Um, but also more recently to digital out of home where we're trying to buy it um, as smart as possible using programmatic um, as an approach to make sure we're, we're over-indexing on where we believe business decision makers are spending their days. And how do you measure the performance of brand campaigns exactly? It's a, it's a good question because it's, that's always one of the biggest challenges, I think, with brand activity is, is how do you actually measure what's, what's happened with that activity. Um, and what, we've, what we try and do is um, a brand studies, so brand awareness studies, where we will ask three very, very simple questions uh, about unaided awareness, assisted awareness, and then consideration. Um, and we'll try and do that as scientifically as possible with uh, panels of people so that we can get control and exposed groups uh, of the audience and then compare the results to see whether we see an impact on those that have we know have seen the ad versus those that, that haven't. So we will try and use as much as possible brand awareness studies to, to measure our impact. And sticking with the, the data, what's your total addressable audience and what percentage of the target audience do you reach? What's your goal? Since we've moved on to the uh, to, to be part of Just Eat, we obviously have now have much wider reach than we ever had before. So we can now reach uh, 97% of the UK um, from, a, from a business point of view. So wherever that business is, we can, we can get food to those businesses. Now that opens up a huge a huge audience to reach and and takes a lot to get to all of them so actually for for our most recent campaign we looked at making sure we were reaching um an audience that we, that we knew was going to be very important for us um in the long term and that was business um decision makers um 
And when I say business decision makers, that could be someone in HR, it could be someone in facilities management, but just specifically in central London. So we were looking very hard to try and reach those those people in particular. Now, when you go into it, you actually find that that's a very small percentage of the actual internet population. So it could be anywhere up to, depending on how robust the studies are, anywhere up to about 10% of the internet population could fall into that uh, that category across central London. So knowing that that's our percentage that we're going for, we will then try and use effectively media wastage reports to try and get an idea of how much of our media is actually hitting that audience up to that level. And if we over-index, then we know we've been successful in, in meeting the right sort of frequency we want for that audience. And let's talk about setting objectives. Uh, The IPA data bank tells us that better objective setting, such as, for example, building fame, leads to more effective campaigns. And we also know that reach and share of voice are crucial. So how did you approach objective setting at the beginning? So my my background was was always... uh performance marketing first and as i've gone on through my my career i've i've, I've come to to do more much more brand work as well and for me i i'd learn a lot from that that performance um experience that goal setting and and actually objective setting is is incredibly important and is in fact one of the most important things because it's it's how you measure the success of the campaign um and the fewer objectives you have the better in my opinion you want one campaign to do one thing really well rather than one campaign trying to do several things and and achieve none of them so i will always try and drill back down to one single goal and be very adamant on what that is going to be um and you know that that goal can change for different campaigns but for me it's very much each campaign has to have one goal or objective and that I'm very adamant on that and how we f- we follow up on that level of reporting. So for example in our in our last campaign the the goal of that campaign is to raise awareness. Um that that's it. We you know we will measure other metrics but that campaign will be a success if brand awareness has risen. And of course raising awareness building the brand is one thing but you also need to drive demand performance right now. So how do you balance those two sides of the coin? Yeah, um, and that that is always the the challenge. Like every, I think every every senior marketer will tell you that they, you know, they 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 only have so much budget, so they have to be very careful about how they split it, where where you put that budget to get the most effective uh, or most effect. Um, a brand activity can set the platform for greater results from lead generation and and uh, bottom of the funnel activity later on down the line. Um, and you have to be an advocate for that brand activity to sell into the, the the more senior decision makers, to sell into the exec teams, to the boards, that, that brand activity, although you, you won't necessarily be able to tie it to lead performance or, or sales activation immediately, it's going to give you a, a higher foundation for those performance marketing campaigns when you run them. And the two really do work together. So for me, it's, it's about from a when when we come to performance, it's about maximizing opportunity. So effectively taking our best performing channels from a cost per acquisition point of view and making sure they have as much budget as they can spend. And then the brand activity actually elevates and increases the volume of opportunity for those channels further down the line. And so if you can get both of them working together, both also then grow and, and will allow the business, you know, more success from the, uh, the directly trackable, um, but also greater success from that, that brand equity. 
Now, you mentioned your competitors earlier. Uh, we actually had Jazz Berry from Delivery for Business on the show a few weeks ago. So tell us who you compete against and how you stand out and how do you communicate that message? So it is a very competitive space and there are obviously the likes of uh, Delivery for Work and, and Uber for Business um, who sit in a very similar space uh, to us in terms of our um, of, of how people might perceive perceive the model um we actually find that a lot of our competition at the moment is uh, or a lot of our competitors is with the um traditional corporate catering businesses so the likes of sodexo the likes of uh, compass um and that it's it's businesses now looking or larger businesses now looking to change maybe how they originally used to look at um the canteen the office the space utilization that they have available and, and look for solutions that are, are maybe more flexible. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Jazz would have probably talked about it as well, is that that, that puts us, businesses like uh, Just Eat for Business and, and Delivery, puts us in a, in a great position to actually take advantage of that, that change in the way that businesses are, are looking to utilize their space. Um, they don't want to sink costs into, you know, large canteens that are static, that don't move, that create, a huge amount of food waste when you can't guarantee office populations um, and move to a more flexible use-as-you-go order for who's in the office and, and also empower your employees to, to order the food themselves as well. So we're very much now seeing that a lot of our conversations when we're talking with, a, with our larger clients are around those uh, traditional corporate catering partners. And let's drill into uh, the the brand building versus sales activation question, which you mentioned a bit earlier, which media is better for sales activation and which is for better for brand building for your category? Yeah. So uh, from, from my experience, um, we've seen from a, from a sales activation, it, it's very much on the demand side. So it will be things like uh, paid search, um, Google, various places like that where people can put their hand up and say, this is what I'm interested in. We also find uh, account-based marketing works very well for us. Um, from that sales activation point of view. And then from a brand building perspective, um, I think that those platforms that have the widest reach um, tend, tend to perform very well for us. So that will be the likes of um, YouTube, Meta, um, as, as it's now known, and LinkedIn specifically from a, from a B2B perspective, but also um, digital out of home. And I'm a, I'm a big advocate for um, digital out of home as opposed to traditional out of home. So that, that is a channel that's worked for us very well. So let's talk about creativity in Just Eat for Business. How does that come in? Give us an example of uh, uh, an occasion where that really helped push things over the edge. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the, the the best example I can give is the the current brand campaign we're, we're running at the moment. Um, and from a creativity point of view, we, we really wanted to try and make sure we were uh, aligning with um, the, the core consumer product team so that they understood what we were doing and why we were doing it and, and ultimately how we were different um, and get that across in the actual creative that we were putting together. Um, and it, it took us a while and a, a lot of back and forward from a from a brainstorming perspective to actually get the creative we wanted. Um, and at, from the ads themselves, we, we settled upon um, this similar creative concept that that I've talked about briefly already today in terms of the joy of food and, and food being the hero. Um, and ultimately what we wanted to try and get to from a creative point of view was, was bringing 
showing people together, ideally in a workplace environment, because we are the, the B2B brand. Um, but that, that was secondary. It was actually bringing people together, seeing them eating food together. So although food, as we say, is the hero, that's what brings people together. It's the, the actual human engagement that's incredibly important for us. And that led us down the creative route we we find ourselves in for our current brand campaign. Um, and we decided on um, three different variations um, of that, that kind of human nexus point, as it were, and underpinned that with headlines that then reinforce our, our business side. So uh, it might be talking, you know, people eating together but it's meetings delivered. It's teams united, um, and that was that was that was where we went, where we ended from a from a creative concept point of view. And when can we see that campaign? So it's live right now. So uh, it's uh, it's running as we speak. And if you're uh, if if you act like a uh, business decision maker, then you're more likely <laughs> to be served the ad. <laughs> I think we all want to do that. Indeed. Food is such a, an emotive topic, uh, and it brings cultures, nationalities together. So how did you? distill everything down into that one human insight that you've hung everything on a oh, yeah, very very good question and uh, it was very important for us to get that right um i think that there's a f- very few things that everyone everyone has in common and one of them is food so um obviously that was that was our starting point is, is what does that commonality look like and the other thing that we wanted to make sure as well is is that we were we weren't running away with something with with kind of dreamt up in a, in a brainstorming session. So we made sure to ask our customers, but also ask um, our potential audiences. Uh, we ran several surveys. We're just in the midst of publishing our latest uh, back to office report, um, which is a follow up from one we've had before, where we asked people, you know, what, what was the best thing about going back to the office? And by far, it's um, seeing their colleagues again, it's seeing people again, it's that human connection, that, that human moment. And so Based on that feedback, based on that research, you know, we we knew that actually it's human connection that's the most important thing. And knowing that food is something that everyone has in common, that allows us to bring those two concepts together um, and deliver the campaign we have now. And in terms of getting the balance right, the IPA suggests that 60% of budget should go towards brand building and 40% to sales activation. Do you agree with that? And how do you think that applies to your category? I do agree with that. Uh, I think it's uh, it is it is uh, a good mix um, and an ideal mix for I, I think most marketers would like to have. I don't I don't think we we always get that. <laughs> I think it tends to be again because it's easier to track that forty percent in terms of sales activation. You tend to find that 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 becomes uh, heavily invested in. Um, so I think that that is a challenge. But I think that the, it's also the phasing of that budget. So that sixty percent. You know, brand campaigns for them to get that cut through. For our um, category, for example, the brand element of it will be uh, not always on. So it will be uh, peak moments throughout the year that we will we will tactically push um, large bursts of uh, of, of activity, um, and then actually the forty percent that does tend to be always on. So that will sit ticking along for the rest of the year, whilst the uh, the brand activity gives us these big pulse moments. Interesting. Well, that brings us to our rapid fire round. I'm going to fire some uh, choices at you and you can just respond as quickly as you can. Just tell us how you feel from your gut. Is that something you can do? Yeah, I will give it my best. (laughs) Okay. So number one, advertising or ABM? Advertising. Logic or magic? 
for me, logic. Brand building or lead generation? Brand building. And how would Don Draper fix the problem in B2B? Uh, He'd probably have a brainstorming session in California. Sounds good to me. If you could tell all CEOs to read one book, what would it be? Uh, the uh, well, so the book I'd probably recommend would be um, it's a book called Sapiens by um, Yuval Noah. Um, so I read it uh, a few years ago myself. But it again, going back to what we talked about earlier and and Don Draper himself, I think it's um, it's a good book that gives uh, incredible insight into the human condition and humanity itself. And what could be more important in B two B? Exactly. And finally, then to end on Mad Men, what's your favourite Don Draper moment or quote? So um, I had to think about this one. Um, now, originally, I was going to go for the uh, Kodak carousel pitch. Um, and I actually, the reason I did it, I think at some point, somewhere, everyone in marketing has gone through that and has been shown it as a good example. Um, but then I thought about it a bit longer, and I'm actually going to pick the uh, Hershey chocolate pitch. Mm. Um, so it's a bit more of a, a deeper moment for, for Don in the show. Um, and it's a moment where he he cracks ultimately and you see behind the shiny exterior behind the salesman as it were um and and that really shows you his his humanity and so that's that's why i went for the hershey chocolate pitch okay well we'll we'll all have to go and check that one out on youtube i'm not sure i can remember it specifically but it sounds great Uh, and all it leaves me to do then is to say thanks shane mansfield for a really interesting insightful chat really enjoyed speaking to you today thank you thanks for having me I'm Stuart Black, and see you all next time on B2B Needs Don Draper.